Hi, this is Ben Lowell with Back to the Bible Canada and Dr. John Newfeld. Today we're continuing our series, The Whole Gospel for the Whole World, with a special interview with Barry Sloan White from Compassion Canada. So let's join Barry and Dr. John now. Hi, Dr. John Newfeld here with Back to the Bible Canada. And it's a delight to have Barry Sloan White in the studio today. Uh, Barry is the director of an organization called Compassion Canada. It's a part of Compassion International, a global network. And we'll talk about exactly what it's a global network of. But uh, for now, Barry, welcome to the studio. Delighted to have you. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Yes. And uh, we had our first conversation, I think, uh, some months ago. And I believe that was in Ontario. Here yes. we are in British Columbia. Exactly. Um, but it was a delight to talk to you then. And I really have been looking forward to this conversation. Likewise. Yeah. Let's begin to talk a little bit about compassion. And I know it has a unique mission. So Barry, tell us a little bit about what is compassion? What makes it unique? Compassion is probably the world's largest evangelical child development ministry. Uh, we use sponsorship as our funding model, but really no one does sponsorship. What we do with that sponsorship money is actually very unique. And what we do with that is evangelism and discipleship of children in 26 countries around the world. Today, there's just under 2 million children in our program. So you have 2 million children globally, worldwide. Global, yes. And I think you connect the sponsorship ministry to the ministry of the local church. Absolutely. Uh, I, many unique factors about Compassion, John. And one of them is that we work exclusively with the local church in the developing world. We have just over 7,000 church partnerships in 26 countries. And the reason we do, well, there are many reasons, but one of the main reasons we do that is because our strategy is evangelism and discipleship. It's hard to imagine that being done by any other group except the body of Christ, like a community group or a government group. So we work exclusively, exclusively. We have no projects, no programs anywhere in the world outside the local church. And, and that, I think, is unique about what yeah, you do. So it is. You believe in the primacy of the local church. Absolutely. I, I, I like to say it this way. God has one plan, only one plan, to reach the world and to fight poverty. His plan A is the local church. He doesn't have a plan B, any backup plans. He, all of his eggs are in one basket. So what we determined at Compassion is if it's good enough for God, <laughs> it ought to be good enough for us. So we have deliberately and strategically placed all of our eggs in that one basket. If the church fails, we collapse. The only thing is we have a little secret the Bible tells us the church will never fail. Yes, you know. Yeah. So you have a unique approach because you're interested in evangelism of children. Mm. I think you're interested in evangelism of anyone else who's connected to the kids. Well, yeah, yeah. And every day, every day of the year, uh, we are seeing upwards of four to 500 children find faith in Christ. Our research tells us for every child that comes to faith, at least four family members come to faith. That's exciting. That's building the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it from a, a, maybe a different viewpoint, we actually share the gospel with about 5 million people every year. If you take all the children and their families that hear the gospel, over 5 million people a year 
hear the gospel on a regular basis, not just one-off. So they're hearing the gospel through the vehicle of the local church, and you're partnering together with them. But what's unique as well is that you're more than just a gospel, strangely you say that that way, but you do the gospel proclamation, but you at the same time have combined that uh, with... With, yeah. uh, you know, compassion is the name. So compassion surely is about sharing the gospel, but it's also about caring for the physical needs sure. of these kids, their families, and so sure. forth. If you, if you look at our structure, so we, we put a program strategy together we call holistic child development, and it's based on Luke chapter 2, verse 52. So if you, if you remember that verse, it, tells, it talks about Jesus growing up in the early years of his life as a child, it tells us he grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, he grew in favor with God and favor with man. Therein lie the four quadrants of human development. So wisdom is cognitive, favor with God is spiritual, favor with man is socio-emotional, and then you've got the physical side. So all of our developmental process, all of our curriculum is geared to develop a child holistically. We could easily do just one or just two of them. Right. But it wouldn't have the same impact because Jesus himself grew that way and Jesus taught others during his earthly ministry. So you have already mentioned something now. You've talked about a curriculum. So when an individual sponsors a child, so obviously they freed funds for you to begin to disciple that child. That's correct. Care for that child's needs, everything else that's involved in the discipleship process. Do you have a curriculum that you take kids through? Absolutely. From birth right through to young adulthood. Huh. Our program, again, a lot, lot of unique things about Compassion's program. One other unique thing is we start at birth. Huh. We used to start at school age, so around three or four, kindergarten. So it was an education that you provided for them, that reading, yeah. writing, all these yes. things, right? But we discovered that m- many children in the developing world don't make it past birth or their first or second birthday. So we moved our, our process right back to the pregnant mother, so the prenatal program, oh. teaching mothers in poverty how to take care of their bodies nutritionally, how to take care of their unborn baby, then when the baby's born, how to care for their baby. And our curriculum begins with the pregnant mother. And again, all all aspects of Compassion's ministry is through the local church, done by Christians, nationals. So you're not only introducing a curriculum you know, to the moms and dads and to the kids, but you're, op- you're opening up a curriculum to the local church to say, this is how you can begin yeah. to reach out yeah. and, to people. Thank and you. that way, it, we're, we're equipping the local church to multiply their efforts. A typical Compassion project at a local church is two to 300 kids. But with the training we provide and the curriculum we provide and all the infrastructure created around the program, that church is equipped to reach hundreds more kids. Right. And even after we're gone, even after, long after we're out of the picture, they're equipped to continue the ministry in their community. You know, Barry, in the second half of this, we're going to talk more about, you know, the biblical basis for all mm. of this and what drives you as a man of God yeah. and uh, the, the vision that God has given you. But I just want to chase this down a little bit further in terms of what actually happens. So is the local church then contacting um, non-Christians, people in need, and saying, you know, we have resources here that helps you and your family? Mm. So uh, typically when a local church in the developing world partners with Compassion, we form a partnership 
and we begin to train and equip that church. That church then begins to register children from poor families. So our criteria is based on the World Health definition of extreme poverty. So children and families of less than $2 a day, they must be in that category. We also state to the church that when they register children, 80% of those children must be from non-Christian homes, families. Because again, our goal is not just to feed and educate. Our goal is to bring the gospel and to discipleship. So it's not just equipping the church, but it's kind of pushing the church outside of its comfort zone. So imagine a local church in in a village in Africa or Asia or Latin America, and now all of a sudden they've got 200 children enrolled in their program, and 160 of those children are from non-Christian homes. Right those doors begin to open because every child in our program is assigned an adult Christian tutor from the church. That tutor visits the home every week. That tutor helps the child with their homework. So relationships are formed in those visits. And before you know it, the stereotypes are broken down. I've seen so many situations where people in a village would actually look at the church as something threatening in their village. Right. They, they, would, they would look with disdain. They would even attack the pastor. Now their children are enrolled in the program. They're beneficiaries. And now that church becomes a place of safety yeah. and a place of love. And so the natural progression of that is to open their hearts to the gospel. We don't require any children to become Christian. That's not mandatory. Some children go through the program all their life and exit without Christ, but it's not because they haven't had the opportunity. Yeah, and I think this is what makes Compassion a unique organization. I have, you know, heard of organizations that care only for the physical needs and other organizations that care only for the the spiritual needs of people, but this is a unique ministry. And when we come back, we'll, we'll, we'll chase down more about who you are, Barry, and why has God given you the kind of vision that you have, and how does that mesh with uh, Compassion itself? Absolutely, look forward to that. Back by popular demand, Back to the Bible Canada is announcing our second Israel Experience Tour scheduled for May 2018. There's plenty of time to plan for this trip to the Promised Land, a trip of a lifetime. Join the Back to the Bible Canada ministry team, including Dr. John Newfeld, Lafagain's own Phil Calloway, and special musical guests, and so much more. The initial Israel experience was sold to capacity with a waiting list. So although it's a year away, now is the time to register and avoid disappointment. Join us in Tiberias, experience worship while sailing the Sea of Galilee, visit the Mount of Beatitudes, the Jordan River, the Garden of Gethsemane, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Masada, the Dead Sea, all while enjoying the inspiring teaching of Dr. John. Check out all the details today at backtothebible.ca or call us for more information at 1-800-663-2425. I'm in a conversation with Barry Sloan White and we're talking about the unique ministry of Compassion Canada, which is a part of Compassion International. And Barry is the CEO and Director of Compassion Canada. Barry, let's talk a little bit about yourself, because uh, when I, first of all, tell us when you came to know the Lord. Well, it's, it's, it's a really important part of who I am and my story. I came to Christ at age five, huh. a young boy, innocent, 
in, in my belief system, but trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. I grew up in a home that didn't know Christ. My, my mother was a Jehovah's Witness. My father was an atheist. And that's the home I grew up in. As a little child, younger than five, both of them independently gave their life to Christ. And that changed our home. And I began to go to what we used to call back then Sunday school, right? And it was in that little country Sunday school classroom, not much bigger than a closet, where I learned routinely and weekly about Jesus. And just at the end of my fifth year, I made a commitment to follow Christ. And that's why, that's why, Fast forward to today and my ministry with compassion and the children of the world. That's why I believe in the value of ministering to children. If I had just been babysit, I wouldn't be here today. Barry, you know, this, I mean, obviously God has been leading you in terms of your own experience. But I think God's been leading you also because as you have developed as a believer, what you have come to understand as the chief mission of the church has been so in line with what God has brought you to do mm. for a life's work. Exactly. So, you know, we had a, a conversation before we're having this one, and our conversation was about which is primary. That is the caring for people's needs or the sharing of the gospel of Jesus. And when you look at the vision or the ministry of Jesus, what do you think Jesus spent more time doing? Mm, wow. You know, it, it, it's nearly impossible, probably impossible to separate the two if you look at Jesus. Yeah. Uh, but, but there's one scripture that is a stumbling block to some and an eye-opener for me. Huh. And it's Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus in the synagogue at Nazareth picks up the scroll of, of Isaiah and begins to read. And in what he read that day, what he proclaimed, sets him apart. Where Jesus himself said, not others saying it about him, but Jesus himself said, I have come to bring the good news to the poor. We have misunderstood that. And even the audience that day in the synagogue, because they were poor. Most people in the world were poor in those days. They probably rejoiced thinking that Jesus is going to set up a big table and feed them. And indeed, it would seem that at times he did. He did. Because he seems to say to them, I mean, you've come just for the bread, right? Yeah. But Jesus' primary purpose, and later on in Luke, he explains this even more. Jesus' primary purpose in coming to earth was not to feed people or not to heal the sick or not to even teach and educate. His primary purpose was to bring this good news, quoting him himself, bring this good news. But because Jesus loved the people that he came to bring this good news to, he could not ignore their physical needs. So Jesus had the largest feeding program in his day, but that's not what brought him from heaven to earth. What brought him from heaven to earth was his desire and the desire of his father to help people come to a relationship with God through this good news of the gospel. Yeah, and it seems so interesting because he, he does say, I've come to share good news to the poor, yeah. which is a declaration. You know, he come to share, you know, the kingdom of God, that God has begun to reign in and through his life, which eventually will lead to the cross and all these things. There are those today, Barry, that I would say, if he says to them, I've come to share good news with you, the only good news that you can share is, I want to take care of your physical needs, but that's not what he's talking about. No, he's not. He's, he's talking about eternity. Yeah. He's talking about spiritual things. But his actions are not 
the actions of someone that that doesn't care. Right. Like you and I have experienced that. We've seen it or we've read about it where people will just, you know, I have a friend. He has to get one person converted every day to put his notch on his Bible, right? That's if right. you happen to step on the elevator with that guy, you're in trouble if you're not a Christian. Because <laughs> by the time you reach the fifth floor, you're saying the sinner's prayer. Because right. you've got the four laws, all that. But, but to be frank, he's not very interested in that person. He doesn't really do much right. to help that person in their need. He just wants to get them converted. Jesus wasn't like that. I mean, Jesus wanted conversion. He died. He died. He suffered for that. But he likewise and equally almost, he loved the people. He didn't view them as an object on a to-do list. He loved them. And that's why he risked a reputation. He risked his own health and safety by stepping into the lives of people that others would just call an outcast. So if I'm hearing you rightly, it is the impulse for evangelism, when done rightly, Mm. that opens a doorway to the individual. And because we've seen a doorway open to the individual, that therefore the other needs of the individual also become part of our concern for them. Absolutely. I, I maintain, and I have been challenged, but I maintain we have no right to preach the gospel if we don't love the people. Right. But conversely, why do we, if we know the gospel, why do we only meet temporal needs and let someone suffer eternally? So if, if I look at raising my own family, you raising your children, you know, the goal for me and my wife raising our children was that they would grow up to love Jesus and serve Jesus on their own, right? That they, that's the influence. But we didn't stop feeding them. We didn't stop providing a home and a roof over their head and yeah. buying them clothes and taking care of their health needs because we loved them as a whole person. But we understood none of these things are as important as their soul. So I think if we, you know, if we think about the, this line of demarcation that we have had in the Christian church, at least in North America, yeah. for some period of time, where we have the, the individuals who care for the needs of others, the, the social gospel people. Yeah. And on the other hand, we have the evangelism people. And it seems like those, it's, it's remained a line of demarcation among Sadly. us. But what you're saying and the ministry that God has called you to is really the end of that kind of thinking. Exactly. Abolish that line, erase it out, and bring these together. But it takes a lot of discipline to not allow one to overtake the other. It does. Now, you know India well, and I, mm. you know that uh, Back to the Bible is involved in India. So that's been you know, our heartbeat here for a while. And, and we've come to understand that William Carey, in not only sharing the gospel, but ends the practice of seti in yes, India. absolutely. In which widows were being burned along with their husbands after their husbands had died. Um, so it was compassion that led to social changes as well. And yes. I, I would think even changes in law. And at that point in time, I mean... I think we're we're always struggling exactly where does our you know witness end, mm-hmm. but maybe there is no end to that, provided no. that evangelism remains number one. Exactly, and and hear me, there's nothing wrong with social action. I'm a believer in social action. There's nothing wrong with making life better for people in need. I'm totally there. Yeah. But how can I love somebody and only serve their temporal needs, knowing that without Christ they are lost eternally? I I can't. I can't qualify that as love. 
Right. And, and perhaps the only way that we have been able to get around that is that we've had individuals who deny that individuals are facing an eternity of torment if they don't have the forgiveness that's offered by Christ. Exactly. And, you know, we at Compassion, I personally, we have, we have been accused of pushing the gospel too much. Uh-huh. We, we have been accused of ramming the gospel down the throats of people right. to be crass. And we have been encouraged over and over again to be more stealth. Like, just go and do good things. And do you always have to be so upfront with Jesus? Like, you look at our logo, Releasing Children from Poverty in, in Name of Jesus. You look at all about the brand of compassion. Jesus is so front and center, it's obnoxious to some people. Yeah. Right? But but how can how can you be stealth and do your good deeds as a Christian and just hope and wait for someone to ask you what's motivating you. I read in Romans that we're told that how will they know if they're not told? Amen, amen. Barry, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, invite individuals to become involved in some fashion uh, with compassion. So uh, Kathy and I, my wife and I are involved in, uh, in compassion. Uh, but if anyone's not been involved, how do they become involved? The easiest way is just to go uh, on the web and uh, type in compassion.ca, and there you'll have an opportunity to sponsor children. You can browse through all the photographs of the children. Pick one that maybe you have an affinity with the country or a child that's the same age as your children or your grandchildren. That's the easiest way, compassion.ca. Very good. So we do encourage individuals to become involved in a holistic presentation of the gospel. So when they give to compassion, they should know that they're involved in both evangelism and caring for the needs of others. Again, Barry, what a joy it has been to have you here at uh, the Back to the Bible studio. Thank you for being a part of Back to the Bible. And thank you for a concern also for gospel proclamation in this country. And it's been wonderful to share a partnership with Back to the Bible and Compassion as well. And uh, we've enjoyed that. Thank you for spending the time with us. Pleasure. God bless you. We want to thank Dr. Newfeld and Barry for their time spent with us today. And we want to encourage you to join us again tomorrow as Dr. Newfeld interviews Jason Roberts from Wagner Hills Farm as we continue our series, The Whole Gospel for the Whole World. That's again tomorrow, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. God chooses to use those he chooses to use, and very often in ways far beyond what we might imagine. This is the underlying theme of Dr. Neufeld's new Great Men and Women of Faith series just released. People like Esther, Joseph, Moses, Hezekiah, Mary, their stories are so different, and God chose to use them in unique ways. This series should both teach and inspire each of us who follow Jesus. God uses his people for his purposes, people of faith. This is an important and encouraging series, so much so we've decided to give the series away on CD for free. 
And for those who would rather download the series or receive all of our daily teaching for your personal use, sign up today for our audio mail, podcast, mobile app, or download online. So ask for great men and women of faith today on CD, or for more information, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.